Thank you, buddy. Oh, I'll use that one. I'll use that one. Hello, uh, hello everybody. Uh, hooray and raw. Welcome once again to the Greg Proofs Film Club. Uh, this week we're going to be showing the 1987 classic by the Brothers Cohen, starring Nicholas Cage and Holly Hunter, Raising Arizona. So once again, <clears throat> we join hands and join hearts and try to find some solace in each other's company um, in this burning brisket that is a world here. And we're not only joined up here, we're in the hipster capital of uh, the entire uh, Southern California Basin, or as the weather uh, people here insist on calling it, the Southland. Los Feliz, here at the Los Feliz 3, where we've taken one theater and made it three times as cool by cutting it into tiny little French cinemas. The only thing missing from this one is that the bathroom isn't at the front of the screen, which it often is at a French cinema. So anytime you want to go to use the uh, toilet, uh, you have to walk in front of everybody while they're smoking <laughs> and go to the screen. I saw, uh, um, Jennifer and I saw, and by the way, Jennifer curates all the films. Uh, we're showing this one again because it's a, a summer comedy and we thought we could use a little lighthearted romp uh, at this uh, juncture in America's history. Uh, we went to see uh, The Bad Lieutenant once at an evening showing in Paris and um, all the French people sat through it like it was a documentary on America. <laughs> Absolutely like, hmm, oh. And there's a scene in The Bad Lieutenant, you may recall, when Harvey Keitel um, takes his gun out and shoots his radio because the Mets have lost a game against the Dodgers. And Jennifer and I burst out laughing, and everyone turned to look at us. And there's nothing like the scalding accusation of a gallery of French eyeballs burning into you, like so many tiny Gallic laser beams. God, I hope this glass has been washed. I realize I'm rolling the intestinal dice here by drinking out of something that... And by the way, this used to be full of vodka, and I have no idea how old the vodka is. It still is. Mm. Mm. So here we are uh, for Raising Arizona, and um, it's a delightful picture. Can I just take a quick... By the way, this is a podcast, so this will go out free later, and you can listen to it, although I'm sure you're... Super, super busy not listening to Joe Rogan. Um, do you, uh, uh, can I take a, a quick account of how many people haven't seen this movie before? Oh, okay. Uh, several haven't seen it before. Um, well, Bruce Willis uh, uh, kills the guy at the end and the building burns down. Um, no, we showed Die Hard a couple years ago and there were three people who hadn't seen it. And I was like, how are you allowed in a cinema? <laughs> Um, I'm really awesomely glad that you haven't seen it before because I think you'll find it right lively. Um, I had to study up on the picture today, as I always do before we show something. And I, I tend to check on what Roger Ebert wrote, just for sentimental reasons. Roger Ebert, of course, was a, a, a Leviathan critic uh, of the, the cinema here in the United States and also has the distinction of writing one of the most um, over-the-top movies of all time, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. So along with his film criticism, he wrote a movie where a man, a transsexual is killed with a sword, is beheaded with a sword at the denouement of a movie that was part of what I think they thought was going to become the Valley of the Dolls franchise at that point. And thank you. And uh, Roger Ebert didn't like this movie. And uh, I, I know that I'm not going to speak ill of him, but oh my goodness, did he get it wrong. Uh, he, I think he, his, his idea that it was disparate, but it isn't. Um, let me put it this way. When the Coen brothers made this picture, 
Uh, they had just made Blood Simple for their first picture. And Blood Simple is kind of an indie thriller and super dark and, uh, and way moody and um, not a lot of acting, but a, 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 an unbelievable sense of dread and, and malice through the entire thing. And um, at one point, a, a body that you think is dead starts crawling down the road. And so it has that kind of feel uh, like, you've, uh, like you're eating a salad and all of a sudden you see half of a millipede. And thank you. You can pause from all of my awesome writing anytime you like. And of course, you're, you're encouraged to laugh. It is a comedy. Um, not just the movie, but what we're doing now. No fucking coughing. You cough on me, you fucking die. COVID is not fucking over. And if you've got monkeypox, I'm going to fucking come to your seat and feed you a fucking plantain. So uh, uh, I've forgotten where I was now because I got so excited. Oh. When they made this picture, it was uh, they wanted to make the Hudsucker Proxy as their next picture. And thank fuck that didn't happen. Um, because as much as I love the Coen brothers, the Hudsucker Proxy, wow. Um, not my favorite. And I, I, would, I would wager to say that along with the Lady Killers um, and the one with um, George Clooney and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, whatever the name of that one was, Irreconcilable Awfulness. What was it called? Intolerable Cruelty. Intolerable Cruelty was a good name for that picture because <laughs> it was exactly what you experienced when you watched it. You were like, halfway through, you're like, I can't take it anymore. I, I can't tolerate this. And then the movie kept on being cruel. Um, I was going to call it insufferable nonsense, but I couldn't remember the name of it. I think along with those two movies, it would be the, uh, in the lower echelon of Coen Brothers movies. I'm sure there's people out there who are like, I like the Hudsucker Proxy. You need to see other movies. <laughs> you need to watch every movie that was released between 1929 and 1948, and then go back and watch the Hudsucker Proxy, and then tell me about how you liked it again. Because you're missing all of Preston Sturges and all of Frank Capra and a million other movies that took that topic and that period and did it a lot better. So uh, they didn't get to make it because it cost too much money, and so they made this one instead. And, uh, and, and thank heavens. Also, by the way, uh, Holly Hunter was not a movie star then, and Nicolas Cage was a, a young, fledgling movie star. He had only shed his downy, dewy wings uh, in a, a Peggy Sue Got Married and I think a picture called Birdie. And, and, of course, The Immortal Valley Girl, which took place right here in Southern California and is a documentary <laughs> of the year 1983. And um, if you lived here, by the way. I, don't, I know a lot of you aren't from here because this is Los Angeles. And to the best of my understanding, no one is from here. We've all simply gathered here, as my ancient joke goes, because uh, Hollywood is not a city. It's an idea held simultaneously by a million assholes. <laughs> And so we've all gathered here believing that fortune is going to favor us and that somehow the show business gods will smile on us. Uh, and uh, Nicolas Cage was uh, not quite yet a star. And th this is one of his first great turns. And I'm going to... What a lovely dress. Um, I'm, yeah, I see what you're wearing. I, I'm blind and I'm deaf, but I know how every person's reacting because I'm a Jedi. So I know when you're not laughing. I know when you're sleeping and I know when you're awake. And I know when you've been bad or good. Uh, I will go even further and say that I think the greatest movie actors of the last 40 years in American cinema are Nicolas Cage, uh, Nicolas Cage and Val Kilmer. Um, and I'll stand by that, and I don't care, and you can fight me after the show right in front of Le Figaro, in front of one of the undercooked steaks. So 
Um, thank you. A lot of people want to put Nicolas Cage down because he made a lot of crappy movies. Everyone made a lot of crappy movies. Um, I'll, I'll put forward that Hollywood makes mostly crappy movies and that we're super, super lucky when one lands that isn't a crappy movie. Um, yeah, he was in the uh, Ghost Cycle whatever trilogy or whatever that was. And also the one where we steal documents from the 19th, 18th century <laughs> national uh, velvet or whatever those are called. <laughs> where we're forever stealing documents that no one wants stolen, which is what I loved about the premise of those movies. We're stealing uh, the Constitution or whatever. Why? The Republicans stole that in 1979. Peace. Um, uh, but having said that, I think he's uh, the movies where he's the finest, Lord of War... Uh, this picture, uh, Leaving Las Vegas, which he's quite good in, uh, Vampire's Kiss, which is not to be missed. If you if you like over-the-top acting, I think Vampire's Kiss will fulfill a lot of your requirements. Um, he, he can be superb. Um, and then there's movies I have a soft spot for, like um, uh, Bad Lieutenant Port of Call, New Orleans, which um, shouldn't have been made and uh, was. And I think that's the best thing you can say about it. It's a... Uh, the, the fact that uh, uh, Abel Ferrer had a fight with, um, is it Herzog, yeah. who made that thing, uh, and went like, you can't use the title Bad Lieutenant, it's my movie, and Herzog went, it's not Bad Lieutenant, it's Bad Lieutenant Port of Call New Orleans. <laughs> like, really? You put an extra half of a sentence? You put a gerund on it, and all of a sudden it's a new movie? Okay. Uh, but in that one, uh, he wears an enormous revolver through the whole movie and uh, wears a weird suit. So it kind of, and Val Kilmer's in it. So there, look look what I did. Um, uh, speaking of Arizona, I just wanted to briefly go over Arizona. A lot of people aren't familiar with it, although I'm sure some of you are from there. Uh, probably, right? I, I smell a little Wickenburg Goodyear in the house here. If you're from Arizona, you'd know what I was talking about. Uh, if you've driven through Arizona, you know that you're like, wow. Um, some of us were dragged to the Grand Canyon as children. I have nothing but cousins and relatives from Arizona. My whole family uh, is from Arizona. I was born in Arizona. I know I shouldn't admit that to a hipster crowd. Um, obviously, I didn't grow up in Arizona because look, I, well, look, you know, oh, I'm wearing a watch and I can talk. Um, and I, I don't shoot signs that are next to the road because I'm angry at them. Arizona, I think you'll find, is a place where there's more bullet holes in road signs than almost any state. And it, it begs the question, what happened? Why are people so upset at road signs in Arizona? And it's because signs say things like yield or merge. And Arizonans are fiercely independent. They weren't even a state until 1912. They were a territory. And a territory breeds territorialism. So when they see a sign that says merge, they're like, fuck you, merge. I'm on meth. I'll merge when I fucking want to merge. Bam, bam, bam. And I'll show you what I can do with a fucking road sign. I'll put three fucking slugs right through it, and no one will tell me what to do. Um, this is a state where Barry Goldwater was a senator for a long time. Barry Goldwater uh, ran for president on the um, uh, Nazi ticket in 1964. And um, can you hear me? No. I, right? Someone just went no. 
Okay, it's back. Oh, there, now you can hear me. Has anyone heard me since the whole fucking thing started? Now I hear a microphone. And by the way, that wasn't the right theme song. The theme song is the one that we played for like seven years. Whatever theme song you played wasn't the theme song to my show. I just wanted to point that out to the people here at the Los Feliz 3, if any of them are still speaking to me. Uh, uh, so this is on again. Okay, good. Um, Arizona is, uh, as I say, uh, I, 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 wasn't, uh, I was born there at Good Samaritan Hospital, uh, which was the last act of a Good Samaritan in Arizona. Um, first of all, in Arizona, their, their primary is coming up next Tuesday uh, for their November elections. And there are about 30 or 40 candidates running for office in Arizona, including for governor and whatnot, who um, believe that the election was rigged and didn't really happen. And that's a lot of people in one state to believe that it didn't happen. So there's that whole, oh, uh, uh, I don't believe in uh, vaccinations. Um, I think the election was false. Um, I stormed the Capitol on January 6th. And I always think to myself, how do my cousins have time for all this? Aren't they busy getting restraining orders putting on them and stuff? And beating their children outside their double wide in Litchfield Park? How do my cousins have time to storm the Capitol and not get vaccinated? I mean, you'd think they'd be in like court all the time arguing over, you know, who owned the children. All of my cousins uh, from Arizona, all of their stories start the same way. After Dale flipped the truck. It's absolutely mortifying. I'm a sensitive artist and I press flowers. And I eat muesli and stuff. And all of my cousins shoot road signs and, 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 and think Hillary was a bitch. And I always wanted to say to them, because they would say things to me like, well, Clinton, man, that Clinton. Um, really? He, he fucked up your world, did he? Did W come by with baskets of cookies? Is that what was going on after that? Thank you. Two people laugh. The people from Arizona, by the way, the ones who are laughing, I noticed. All the L.A. people are like, well, I don't, you know. I don't think people should talk about, you know, politics. Because uh, it gets in the way of my career. And if I can't suck Satan's dick every five minutes so that it... I can get, you know, my script into turnaround. I don't want to make the guy who runs the studio mad at me. I know. I understand my darkness. Because people are like, oh my God, there's so many people in this country that, like, uh, don't believe in vaccinations and uh, don't believe Biden won and are storming the Capitol. It's not that many. It really isn't. Percentage-wise. It's just my cousins. <laughs> and your cousins. The ones who all have that weird haircut, like they've got it from like Otto of Poland or whatever. Where it's always the, the haircut that screams white supremacist. Even though, as my friend Alonzo Bowden, the comedian, says, why is it that white supremacists always come off as the people that there is simply nothing supreme about? <laughs> Their supremacy is not evident. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a held belief inside their tiny, tiny, soft candy brain. Um, 
because if you if you were going to wear a haircut like that and drive a truck like that, how in the world can you feel you're superior to anyone? Because you're like, first of all, your haircut's worse than Javier Bardem's in another great Cohen movie, No Country for Old Men. Uh, welcome to the show. I'll go back to the beginning. Um, let's play the ride theme song this time, and I'll come out again, shall I? There's been a lot of latecomers. One thing you can count on here is no response from the booth. <laughs> so there really isn't that many. It's not as many. The news media, of course, would make you think that the countries. We always hear things like this. The country's uh, wildly divided over issues. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> we're not at all. I know we're in Hollywood and we're in a, a coastal elite, you know, swirling vortex of baby-killing celebrity here. So we're in a bubble and all that. But the truth is, most people really are for abortion and really are for gun control and really do believe in things like health care and science and stuff like that. So when they say, well, the country's divided, it's like, no, it's not. There's a bunch of psychopaths and then there's all of us who would like to fucking be able to get through the day without worrying that democracy is going to topple because there's a bunch of psychopaths. But yet, if you watch the news or whatever, which I'm sure you don't because you're busy on your phone, I get it. Um, uh, there's, there's always, on the news, they would say, well, the country is sharply divided on this. No, they're not. The, the, the Supreme Court was um, put together by a bunch of white supremacists so that they would be a bunch of white supremacists. And for those of you who are like, man, the court's never been this bad, um, you should go back in time. <laughs> I think you'll find the 19th century wasn't exactly a... a, a, a a bowl of Skittles being urinated out by a, a unicorn. Um, they, they, I believe at one point they adjudicated that black people didn't exist as humans. And then at another point that black people were three-fifths of a human. Uh, so I think you'll find now, uh, as even though Amy Coney, um, uh, Mudhan, and... Uh, Neil Gorstop and the whole, and Brett, I love beer and all that. They're on the court and all that. Um, they're not even uh, in the league with Roger Taney and some of the exciting Supreme Court justices of years past. Um, what am I trying to say? There's room for hope. <laughs> there always is. They're not going to win just because the news says they're going to win or whatever. The news was wrong about every election for the last billion fucking years. <laughs> They were excited when 45 was president. They really were. The news was fucking excited. Why? Because they're owned by creepy white guys who beat their maids. That's why. That's what the news is. It's a bunch of lies strung together for your amusement and shit. They love that he would come out and go, that is saying, and then we had a lot of people who talked, and then cocaine would fly out his nose and shit, and a helicopter would land next to them. They were like, this is fucking great. What they can't stand is someone calm and responsible going, we're doing stuff. See, because as you guys reacted, it's boring. Much better to have the guy banging against the window of the car with COVID pouring out of his eyeballs. That's what they really miss. There's not much more. Um, the other thing about Arizona is uh, uh, there was a place there called the Pinnacle Peak Patio that was in Scottsdale. And Scottsdale, to orient you, there's Phoenix, which is the capital. And a phoenix is a bird that burned up and then rose from the ashes because it was so 
fucking hot in Phoenix. <laughs> Phoenix isn't just hot. It's slightly hotter than the planet Mercury. I saw a dog explode the last time I was there. It, hot doesn't begin. The surface of the sun isn't as hot as Phoenix is in the summertime. And it's hot at night, which is horrible. Like people are, doesn't the temperature go down? No, it doesn't. It goes from 117 to 98. And your ears are sweating, which is the weird part of Arizona. The back of your ears, when your ears are sweating, you're like, why? You're like, oh my God, I'm wearing a wife beater and a Speedo, and I'm sitting on a snow cone, and my ears are still sweating. It's so gross. And then there's a dude with a backward baseball hat and the weird, you know, white supremacist haircut going, (laughs) and you're like, oh, gross, gross, gross. Um, And uh, at Pinnacle Peak, so there's Fahonics, and then there's Tempe, where the university is. And just like up here where Barnsdale is, there's a Frank Lloyd Wright... Uh, the university had, was built by that fucking psychopath from Wisconsin. Thank you. Yes, I just called Frank Lloyd Wright a psychopath. I went to his house. We were on, I was on tour doing the committee and um, uh, improv, as you know, uh, the highest of all comedian art forms. As my friends always say, why not prepare something funny? And we were playing in Madison, which, by the way, like Arizona, I must have killed someone in a previous life. Because for the Carmen wheel to land on me and have to go to Madison, Wisconsin, you're like, what did I do? I tried to live my life according to the precepts of the Dalai Lama. So outside of Madison, about an hour is where Frank Lloyd Wright's like house was or whatever that he built, and it's supposed to be so great. Freezing in the winter, boiling hot in the summer, and it's falling apart. And there was uh, as the people giving the tour won't talk at all about what a bizarre person Frank Lloyd Wright was. He was an architect, by the way, in case you're... This country worships crazy white guys. And Frank Lloyd Wright is in the pantheon of crazy white guys. Almost everything he built doesn't work anymore or fell down. And yet he's one of America's greatest architects. Go figure. You would think one of the enduring qualities that an architect might possess is building something that stands. Not that falls apart. And literally, the place in Wisconsin had a pig and then fucking bolsters holding up the walls. And I was like, so he's a famous architect, huh? That's funny, because I'm a famous wizard. And they went, oh, there's a 98-year-old woman who lives here for free. And um, uh, she was a student of his. And I thought, lives here for free or cannot find a way out? (laughs) She's 98 and you have her captive here, and I'm not into it. So Frank Lloyd Wright built this thing in Tempe, and then there's Scottsdale. And Scottsdale is where every uh, mafia person uh, retired to. And so uh, it's sort of the Bedminster in the desert. And thank you. The Bedminster is where 45 has his golf course, where he just buried his wife on the end of the first hole, by the way. <laughs> Ivana Trump is buried in a dirt grave, there's no sod over it, with a marker, a plain marker, at the first hole of the golf course. No, it's not fucking funny. Thank you. I appreciate you laughing. Because I think it's funny, too, in a horrible, morbid way. The whole crowd's gone quiet. So the next time you talk to your relatives and you're like, I just don't bring up politics. Bring up politics. Because that's the psychopath they're supporting. 
the one who buried his wife on hole number one of his golf course and didn't sod the grave. You can go online right now and look at it if you wish. There's a dirt grave that that billionaire woman is buried in who fell down a staircase with a cup of coffee. (laughs) Certainly, certainly that happened. And Jeffrey Epstein jumped up and down until he broke his head. My point is this. It's boiling hot. Never mind the Pinnacle Peak patio. We'll leave that for another show. They cut your necktie off there. It was a steakhouse. And they they cut your necktie off. In the days when everyone wore a necktie and not just me. And Paul Tompkins. There was a time when there were other people besides me and Paul Tompkins that wore neckties. And they went to restaurants in their necktie. And at Pinnacle Peak, they'd cut your necktie off and hang it on the wall. I remember going there when I was little and being, this place is psychotic. And if you ordered a well-done steak, I swear to God, they brought a cowboy boot to the table and put it down on the plate in front of you. And everybody went, what happened? And then, oh, fuck, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a white supremacist joke. Got it. Like burying your wife at the end of the first hole of the golf course. A hilarious white supremacist joke. So, uh, no talking. And it's a movie theater. Um, they have, in order to cool people down in Arizona, uh, at night, when you're out drinking with your douchebag friends, uh, drinking those weird margaritas that are different colors that come in the weird glasses, where they have the long straws and shit like that, because you're, uh, evidently it's the kind of alcohol you start children with. You know, it's funny colors and fruity flavors, and it comes out of a big mixing machine and shit, and they pour it in a giant glass like this. Like, I don't remember, what happened to drinking like a shot, or whatever, or like a cold beer? By the way, to, to add to the fun of Arizona, you can't drink a beer on stage stage in Arizona, it's against the law. Yeah, you can't drink it. I remember going, can I have a beer? And, the guy, and working at a club in Tempe, and the guy's like, you're not taking that on stage, are you? I'm like, is there going to be an incident? Like, are you, people going to use me for target practice as soon as they see a bottle? And he's like, no, it's against the law. And I'm like, oh, right. Um, also, you can't drink before 7 o'clock on election day. I think you guys can figure out where that law came from. As I said, it was a territory. So you can imagine in the old days, people buying you drinks so that you would go vote a bunch of different times and put a different hat on or whatever. I swear to you, and walk in and be like, oh, I'm voting for them again. And then, so they don't allow you to drink until the sun goes down in Arizona. Then I, thank you. The one person from Arizona knows what I'm talking about. And everyone else is like, is this real? Yeah, it's fucking real. And it's next door to us. Seven hours that way. That way. That way. Is, is Arizona. So in order to cool things down at night when I mean, you're outside, they have um, water pouring from things, and they call it a mister, right? Not like the group mister, mister, but a mister. So you'll be sitting there, and music is playing, always shitty, because it's Arizona. So the music will be playing, and it'll be like, oh, 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 no, 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 turn it up, no, 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 and you've got your margarita in your hand and you're eating uh, nachos or whatever. And then, if you wear spectacles, misters are the worst thing that's ever happened to the universe. If you wear glasses, because all of a sudden, 
mist pours down on you. And you're like, where are my friends? I can't see them anymore. All I hear is Leonard Skinner. And I'm frightened and wet and alone. And then you're like, oh, you're still there. And then two seconds later, more mist pours on you. It doesn't make you cooler, by the way. It just makes you wet. So I don't know about you, but I'm concerned about my hair. And Arizona has very little humidity. Uh, it goes like if it's an IQ thing. And But your hair can look boss in Arizona because it's a dry heat. And when, uh, and when there is a lightning storm, the air fills with ozone and lizards start flying everywhere. And your hair fucking stands on end. So you can have really boss hair in Arizona. But when the misters start, fucking droop a loop a loop. It's fucking disappointing. Isn't this a film show? I'll talk about what I want to talk about. This is a free country. And we're going to get that election sorted out, the last one. It's like going to Niagara Falls, which is the worst tourist attraction of all time, if you wear glasses. Because the air for 20 miles around Niagara Falls is full of water. So when you're within 10 miles of Niagara Falls, your glasses are covered. This is my impression of every person with glasses visiting Niagara Falls. What did you think of the falls? It sounded awesome. And now I give you from 1987 the comedy classic Raising Arizona.